When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneur network.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now onto the show. Welcome to Business in Heels podcast, the podcast that inspires and educates women in business globally to succeed. Now over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Welcome to another episode of the Business in Heels podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen. Now, my guest today says self-belief and confidence are muscles that you have to exercise day after day after day. And joining me on today's show is Ludwina Dordovic. Ludwina, she is the founder and the CEO of The Room Exchange. It's a platform that connects busy households with a spare bedroom with guests who provide help around the house in exchange for accommodation. Now, Ludwina has been an entrepreneur for 25 years with a strong background in digital, in marketing, and in communications. She has a keen eye for innovation, and she knows to take an idea and gives it life. She knows how to do that. Now, on today's show, Ludwina is going to share how she is taking the sharing economy uh, accommodation market to a new level as well as how she addresses and overcomes the gender issue every day. Uh, welcome to the show, Ludwina. Well, thank you, Anne-Marie. It's so good to have the opportunity to have another chat with you. It's been a while, hasn't it? It is. It certainly has. And I love the way that you really are shaking things up, innovating in the sharing or sharing economy accommodation market, a mouthful. For people who may not be aware yet what the share economy is, do you want to give a bit of an overview? So just to provide people with, with what it is. Yeah, well, look, essentially, in my language, it's utilising resources that already exist and sharing them with people who need them. So there's various different ways that that's done. Um, some people charge a fee for that existing resource. Um, some, as in our platform, we actually have created a way where people can actually access the resource, being a spare bedroom, with um, time. So we actually believe it's really the true um I guess it's a true concept of sharing, mm -hmm. um, but it has been around for a while and we've got to thank um, Big Brother Airbnb, who I think really has paved the way in terms of the sharing economy space and Uber and, and other such, um, you know, businesses that are uh, have really, you know, um, created the opportunity for businesses like ours to actually come in and they've educated the market for us. They've mm -hmm you know, sort of uh, taught the market that the idea of having somebody that you don't know in your bedroom or somebody that you don't know in your car or getting into a stranger's car is not actually a foreign concept. So it has been around for a while. I think it's just because of the um, the advent of technology and making that 
such an easy way for users to connect and access each other um, has really, you know, given businesses like ours the opportunity to commercialise it. Yeah, I love that. And of course, one of the things that I said in the introduction, which is so true, you know how to take an idea and give it life. I wonder, can you give people who may not have yet heard the story, maybe the one or two people who have not yet caught up on how did the room exchange come to be? Do you want to share that story? Yeah, well, it's one of those, um, you know, old thing sayings that you often hear, wow, that was a great idea, you should do it. And many of us have actually done that in our lifetime, come up with an idea and someone said it was a great idea. I have this entrepreneurial antenna that when I hear it once, twice or three times, I think, yeah, there's definitely something into it. So for me, it's about paying attention to um, what's going on around you, what people are saying and also what's happening in the marketplace. So um, for me, it occurred when my oldest son, who's now 28, left home when he was 22. Um, I cried for a year, as most mothers do when they're first children leave home um, and then after a year the tears started to dry up and I saw his room as a cost centre and I did what a lot of people do at this point in life and I um, listed it on Airbnb and I really appreciated the opportunity to have a variety of people in my home, different cultures, different lifestyles. I've always been really curious about people so this gave me an opportunity to, to connect with people that I wouldn't normally on a day-to-day -day basis. But what I didn't like was the four hours it took me to get the entire house hotel ready. There seems to be a lot of pressure on hosts these days um, to sort of act more like micro hoteliers. So I stopped doing that after a year, but um, the experience is what I loved. And so what happened organically at that point is that my uh, friends of my kids who were traveling wanted to come and stay. They wanted to stay longer. They had limited financial resources and always want people to feel at home. So I just said, look, we're really busy. My husband and I were both running businesses from home. How about you help us out a couple of hours a day and in exchange we will feed and house you? And that's literally how it started. So fast forward four years and about five guests later and three of my friends had said it was a great idea. That's how the room exchange was born. Yeah. And I love the way that uh, you listen out, you observe, and all of a sudden when you get those, the, the validation, you, you take that idea and then you run with it. Now, often within business, there are obstacles and there's challenges. And of course, we're going to talk about in a moment, you know, addressing and overcoming gender issues, which I'm sure many people may have experienced too. So we'd love to hear some insights in how you're uh, adapting with that. But when you look back, uh, what are some insights that you can share around having an idea, being told that there really is a good idea, and then actually mapping that out and bringing it to life? What are some of the insights you've learned? Would you do anything different? You want to share some insights around that? It'd be valuable for, for people to, to listen or who, who's watching today. Yeah, well, the thing that comes to mind is the story of Netflix. So I recently read the book by one of the co-founders, Mark Randolph, and he, he talks about how, you know, the, the origin idea or the beginning of Netflix was really about, um, you know, DVD rental by mail. Now, look at who Netflix is and what Netflix is today. Now, they would not have had any idea back then um, where the industry was leading and how they would need to adapt and pivot along the way. So there are always moments in any business when you look past and you say, yes, I would have done that differently had I known that. You know, hindsight, it's always beneficial. But I find that at the time of, of starting something like this, I think our biggest gift is um, naivety because it's kind of like having a child. If you really knew what you were in for, you'd probably put it back in. You know, like it's just, <laughs> you, you sort of have, right? yeah, you have this naive view about, oh, yeah, this will be great. But, you know, thankfully it's just a baby when, when you have it. But then, it, you know, you don't give birth to an 18-year-old, right? So 
it's it's kind of like that with business. And you've got to start somewhere. You've um, mm. you know, you start with a passion and idea. You start with conviction. You start with some naivety, and you know, and then you just get motion and momentum. And mm. that's what ends up leading you into the places that you need to be led into. And I just always say that if you just don't stop no matter how difficult things might become or if something's not working, don't stop, just change directions or look at something different or get the right advice or look at what you've done that hasn't worked and then do something different. But the moment that you stop, that to me is the moment that, you know, it ceases to have any life and it ceases to have any energy behind it. Yes, I love that. Something else that I know that you've had quite diverse experience in is that the area of digital technology and, of course, very much on the digital platform um, is the sharing economy. And so, you know, you're in an industry which is relatively new, as you said, that, you know, there have been some key players that have gone before you who have educated the marketplace. But I'm pretty sure, and I'd love you to hear your feedback on this, there are instances where you're having a conversation with someone one and they've never heard of that concept before have you been challenged in that way and if so what are some of the things that you've done to help you educate you know potential clients investors and, and those sorts of things because I'm sure there are other people who are now innovating their industry and they're coming up a lot against challenges because people don't know what they don't know mm, yeah so we often do get compared to the people say, oh, so is it like Airbnb? And, you know, it's quite flattering to be compared to Airbnb, but we're very different in that we're about, um, uh, you know, obviously using the resource that already exists. So the guest has the spare room, sorry, the time, and the host has a spare room, right? So they pay a fee to the platform to use it, and we can talk about that later. But in terms of what happens between the host and the guest, it's a very different model to Airbnb. So in terms of the education process, it's just a matter of our communications that go out on social media, that are on our blog, that, you know, opportunities like this where I get to speak, where I actually can clarify that this is, this is something different and it is quite unique. So what we're doing is that we're giving... Um, people the opportunity, busy households with a spare room. It's like, you know, they're outsourcing a lot. They're paying to get a cleaner or a gardener into their home, but they've got a spare bedroom that's sitting there idle doing nothing. And then we have guests who want to reduce their cost of living. So our platform matches the two based on personality and values, and hence that's the technology that we're using. And then through that and through our verification and our insurances and all the things that we, all the boxes that we tick for our users to make them feel certain and confident, they're then able to make a decision and connect. So we're using an idea that really has been around for centuries. It's not a completely new idea, but nobody's really commercialised it. And so we've figured out a way to do that. And we've come at the right time. This is really interesting. So I was speaking at um, the Women in ICT and Digital Leadership Summit last week, and I was talking about innovation. And one of the points that I brought up was, was timing is absolutely crucial. So if you're too early, you're too early, and if you're too late, you're too late. We came at the right time because if we had have come before Airbnb, there's no way that we could would have had the resources to be able to educate the market to get us to where we are today. Yeah, brilliant. What um, what what are some of the let's let's share the screen so that people so people if you're listening to the actual audio podcast, you need to get online, follow Ludwina. We, we'll have all of the links on the show notes to be able to do that. But what we're going to do is just walk through the actual platform and Ludwina share a little bit if you would 
about some of the users. I mean, you've already identified a little bit about some of the people that can go there, but I know that there's a huge market that you're also opening up for, and that is homeless. You know, women, uh, like, share a little bit about that because a number of years ago now it was identified that women over 50 in Australia are one of the increasing numbers of people who are finding themselves ho homeless, and this is an incredible opportunity for them to, um, to become part of the, the room exchange, yes? Yeah, so um, so Lisa Sweeney, who um, is one of the, the founders of Business in Heels, which is this podcast that's about, you know, we've had lots of conversations with her as with other organisations like Fitted for Work as well, where, you know, the conversation around women over 50 becoming the fastest growing demographic for homelessness in Australia is appalling. So essentially, women who look like me are now the new face of homelessness. And it's really interesting having conversations with people about, um, uh, you know, even the word homeless, because we people still have a lot of subconscious biases around it. They think of, they have this image in their head of what a homeless person looks like. But what we're uh, what we believe that we can be is a prevention to um, homelessness. So when people are falling into difficult circumstances, and this is what you know, say like the Department of Health and Human Services calls low risk. So they have eighty thousand people on their wait list each year, and they can only cater for high risk people. But people who they consider as low risk are just people who've lost a job or their leases expired. You know, people that just need an interim place to be for a little while. So that's the language that we like to use around it is that when people need a soft place to land for a little while to get back up on their feet, they can exchange. And the beautiful thing about this is, is that the whole idea of contribution and helping somebody else gives the guests a lot of value and um, self-worth in that process. So if they are going through a bit of a challenging time, so if they're going through a divorce, for example, and sometimes it can take two to three years for settlement to come through, if their children have left home, they're not entitled to childcare support anymore. So all of these issues add up to, you know, a lot of, um, gosh, lack of self-worth and, you know, value at that time in a woman's life. Well, I actually believe they, they make the most amazing guests. So women, if you're listening to this and you're over 50 and you need a soft place to land for a while, please let us know. So th that's kind of where, you know, we see that when around your question about the kind of, you know, users that we have on the platform, people have a number of various different reasons why they might want to exchange for our our hosts, it's, it, you know, they in, in terms of demographics, they could be busy professionals, singles or, or coupled. They could be just individual people that, you know, want some additional kind of personal support or, you know, they, they could be elderly, you know, the um, elderly or empty nesters, in fact, make up the majority of available spare bedrooms within a 30-minute radius from most capital cities. Mm. Um, you know, there's a number of different kind of demographics, but for us, the language that we like to use around it is that if you need some help, whether it's short-term or long-term, you can find that help on our platform with somebody who can match the values and personalities of your household um, so they can add some colour and life to your home. Now, mm. when we talk short-term, it could be as little as a week or um, mid to long term could be a month or longer. And we've had some guests who and hosts who have exchanged for, you know, for up to a year. Yeah. So it just depends. It's like it's based on a need. What's your need in terms of your household? Let me just paint a picture. So, you know, you might have a, um, uh, oh, okay. So for me recently, I, um, in the last year, I've lost a lot of weight. So I have a whole wardrobe of clothes that I need to sell. I had somebody come into my home just for a couple of weeks as a guest and they photographed the clothes, they listed it on Facebook Marketplace, and that just made the process so easy for me. And they added a lot of life and colour to my home at the same time. Yes. And then 
Last week, Anne-Marie, I was actually a guest with um, a host in Albert Park. And that was a really wonderful experience. Can I tell you about that one? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so so I had this speaking gig at MSEC and then I also had another one on Friday and I live in Point Cook. So instead of travelling um, to and from, I, um, I stayed with one of our hosts, Tiffany, and she just lives in Albert Park. So it's only a 10-minute tram ride into the city. So it was so easy to do. And the whole week that I was there, she and I, all we did was just talk about each other's businesses. That we brainstormed. I've, you know, introduced her to a bunch of people that can help her with her business development. And she's done the same for me. And that exchange of knowledge is also an incredibly valuable um, asset that people can actually utilise in an exchange. Yeah, it's one of those ideas or one of those things that when you start hearing examples that you're sharing, all of a sudden you start thinking, oh, that's fantastic and this idea and that idea. Now, I noticed when we were sharing the website, and you also mentioned this as well, um, verification is done. Share a little bit more about that because I know that that addresses some of the concerns that may come up for people. So what is the verification process? Yeah, so we've we've had to find a balance in between not making it too difficult for people to connect and also making it difficult for people who might be ill-intentioned, right? So finding the balance between the two is actually really quite interesting. So what we've done is that we, we ask our guests and hosts to jump through just a couple of hoops, and that, that is to ensure that we don't get pe problematic people on the platform. So that is, you know, make sure that you provide your date of birth, your mobile phone number, et cetera, when you initially register, and then that needs to match your um, photo ID, so your driver's licence or your passport, which is a second stage of verification when you apply for a digital ID. So we've partnered with Australia Post and um, they're very well respected in this country and they have a technology called digital ID. We've integrated that through an API, sorry for the jargon, um, in the back end of our technology. So when you get to the, to the stage when you're verifying who you are, a window will pop up. It'll just ask you which ID number do you want to use? And as long as it matches the information that you've put in, the, in your registration process, mm -hmm then you'll be verified. So, you know, we've, we've done everything that, that's pretty standard today, plus a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And we also have $5 million public liability insurance policy that's backed by CHAB. We have customer care support. You know, anybody literally can book a call with any of our customer care team and any correspondence that they get, there's just a link that they can do that. So we've done as much as we can within the resources that we have to give people as much comfort as they need. And, um, and then from there, it's just a matter of looking at the profiles, having a conversation with the person that you want to exchange with, which we actually encourage mm -hmm. to swap phone numbers and to, um, to connect, you know, directly with them before you make a decision, if that helps you out. Um, because we believe that because of all the additional Securities that we have that people will exchange directly on the platform and pay their fees to use it because they want all the additional security and comfort that comes along with that. Yeah, fabulous. And just hearing you explain all that, it is, it's a great, great process, so robust, and uh, you, you handle all of that. That's fantastic. Talk a little bit. We, we promised to share some of the things that you've done to address and overcome gender issues. Typically, the industry that you're in is, is very male-dominated, although there's some incredible women such as yourself in that particular industry. What advice, what insights can you share today if we've got other women in business who are perhaps going up some, against some of the challenges that you've been able to overcome? Mm. So um, this is a delicate one. Um, yeah. You know, this year is really, I feel 2020 is kind of like, the year for women to really come forward and to really step into the power. And it's incredibly exciting mm -hmm. to see that. And 
I'm 53, so I, I, I'm stating my age just to give people some context in terms of, you know, generational subconscious biases as well because the industry, particularly in terms of, you know, investment, capital raising and investment, um, is still quite traditional in terms of older um, people. Um, some of the challenges that I, I've faced, you know, in some meetings that I've had are, you know, a question that I get asked sometimes which used to bug me in the beginning, but now I've figured out a way to use it as an opportunity for learning. It is, um, how is your husband involved? Okay. And <laughs> I, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And a lot of people listening would be cringing at that right now. But, you know, there is a certain demographic that um, would ask that question and there's definitely a certain demographic that wouldn't. Um, where I was kind of really thrown aback at first when I heard that, I thought when I sort of sat back and analysed it, you know, there's a few reasons why they might ask that. So I'm an, also an investor and when I invest in, in companies, some of the things that you look for, are, you know, it is quite financially straining when you're a founder. So what kind of support do you have financially? So that could be part of their questioning around that. Um, if you don't have a co-founder, which I don't, that also might contribute to that question. And they may not, I don't, I don't believe often that the question is asked with ill intent. It's just asked in a way that they're just not recognising or understanding the um, presuppositions behind it. And there's a few that I've come to realise. One is that they're assuming that I'm married. Two is they're assuming that I'm heterosexual. And three, that they're assuming that I don't, that I actually need support, right? So mm -hmm. um, I'm not offended by any of those, but it's just interesting. And I, and, and, I, and I like that I have the opportunity to say that because I think it's really about educating more than anything. So the way that I handle it when I, I get a question like that is that I go, hmm, that's an interesting question. Can you please tell, um, tell me how is your wife involved in your business? I was going to say. <laughs> and you know what? I think by also sharing it that way allows them to maybe reframe the question or rethink what is actually what I'm trying to get out, you know, the answer, and then come at it as a different angle. How do they respond typically to that question that you pose back to them? Right. Well, I think it's kind of like landing a good joke. You need yeah. to sort of like have the timing right and also yeah. have your own response right afterwards. So I sort of have a pause after I've said it, then I'll have a laugh and it kind of breaks the awkward nature of it. I'm not judging them. And the mm. other thing too is that I don't want to lose the room. I don't want to lose the opportunity of the people in the room to present to them. And I also want them to see another side of me that's like, hey, I see what you're saying. We probably need a bit of, you know, reframing of the question here. You know, let's let's just all learn from this and then sort of move on. So yeah. Yeah, so I think there's still there's still definitely some education. So anybody who's listening to this who might, you know, use some language like that, perhaps just, you know, take this as an opportunity to reframe it and maybe just say, oh, what kind of support do you have um, yeah. available to you while you're going through this, you know, the two to three years of the founding stage? Mm -hmm. um, and that would be a really appropriate question, you know, yeah. whether you're male or female. Yeah, brilliant. One of the things that um, I've noticed uh, having... And, and I know that you would have too many, many conversations with men and women, but particularly women in business, founders, co-founders, but even in the executive realm, that one of the things that they uh, would have appreciated more, and then looking back, were they the, the woman that also supported other women? How have you found that? Because, you know, sometimes when, again, there's a perceived, there's only a, a small amount of room at the top, so therefore I've got to protect that, what can we perhaps do as women to be able to support other women who are up and coming, you know, introducing each other to each other's networks? We tend to be very, well, from what I'm hearing, the feedback 
sometimes closed knit, you know, very careful about um, that, almost to the point where we're, we're preventing others from stepping forward. What have you found? Have you found that? And if so, what are some insights that you might be able to share around what could have been really helpful as you've, you know, had those conversations and interactions with people? Mm. So firstly, I just want to make it clear, I've never had a day job. So I haven't actually experienced the challenges that women in the corporate sector face. So mm -hmm. I can't really talk to that. But what I can talk to is that um, I was asked a question a little while ago in terms of my leadership style. And I think from what I understand, there's sort of like this hierarchical kind of structure that's been part of the corporate where, you know, the CEOs at the top and then there's people underneath. I, I work more in a circular motion. So I'm sort of in the middle and my entire team is around me. Yes. And I can't be, do or act as I need to without all of them with me. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what their gender is or what their role is, I need them all. And so I see that as the way to help other women um, come forward as well. I think um, I've been doing a lot of writing about this lately, so it's a really interesting question. But the thing that I do really well is ask for help. And yes. I think women can get better at asking for help but asking for help in a really respectful and mindful way. So I don't like the idea of someone saying, hey, can I just pick your brains? Because, you know, picking the brains of somebody who's been working hard for 25 years to develop what they know has value to it, right? But I think that you can, um, you know, there is a way to connect with people in an authentic way. You can support and help first. And this is something that I do. You know, I'll, I'll share content. I'll um, add value to a person's life first before I actually ask them for something in return yes. and you know and that that is really you know that that's been a big part of the podcast show that I've just launched as well it's like you know you would know yourself when you interview people you're doing such offering such great value to that person that you're interviewing is that there's now oh, I really appreciate this what can I do back for you in return there's this sort of natural flow of it so I think it's you know it's more about I use LinkedIn a lot to connect with people that I'm hoping who can help me you know, mm. women or men. Um, but again, I can't stand the, the, the direct messages that I get when you haven't even had a conversation with someone, when they're asking something of you straight away. It's sort of like, ah, you know, we haven't even had a good first date yet. Can we yeah. just sort of, you know, connect first before you're actually throwing yourself at me? And so that's the approach that I'd recommend. So be of value and of service to somebody first but then ask for help and people yes. generally will want to help. And as long as you can respect their time and respect the value of what um, they're offering you. And it could even be, you know, look, I don't have money right now, for example, to pay for advice or mentoring, but I can do A, B and C for you. Even just offering that. And most of the time it doesn't even matter. Like, you know, I had a couple of calls yesterday with uh, women in business that, you know, they just said, oh, I'm really stuck on something. Can you help me please? And I just gave them a half an hour and, didn't ask for anything, was happy to help because it circulates around, it comes back around again. So it's just sort of a bit of a balance of it. And the other thing is too, Anne-Marie, is that be mindful of who you're asking help from because the help needs to come from somebody in a way who can directly help you and meet you where you're at. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, if it can, you know, so the, the other day, like last week I was when I was presenting uh, Helen Mary, she has these um, amazing events in her home and I was speaking on Friday morning and the the context of the information I was going to deliver, once I did a circle of the room and asked everyone what, what their greatest challenge was, I completely reframed how I was talking about it to relate directly to where they're at. And that's what I mean by that, you know. So it's just, you know, I, I just think that 
I don't think it's about women and women. I think it's about people and people. You know, if you need help, just ask for it and, and be the first one to support and also be grateful for anything that anyone does for you and just show that gratitude and appreciation. And it'll yeah. come back to you. I love that because you really have gone gone from the approach of giving um, without any expectations, but it, it often will come back. But don't be afraid to ask if you need and if you need additional support. One of the things that I see you doing really well, and again, this is feedback that I've had from you know other women who have said, you know, women may not necessarily tend, and again, we are generalizing, but I'm saying this because maybe you'd like to be where Ladwina is, and she does this extremely well. She connects, she reaches out, you have follow-up meetings. And I think sometimes, you know, women don't tend to do that even in the career industry I mean for many years I worked in the career industry and we were always saying to women go out and meet people go to those networking events follow up you've got you know incredible value to offer share you know be, be seen in that way um, and and then it does really come back you know twofold tenfold often and I see you doing that really well that's something you can knit to regularly isn't it yeah definitely um, you know I've identified what, where my strengths are and communications, relationships, connecting with people are definitely three of my top five, mm. I'd say. And yeah. so I, I, I look at the person as a human being, not as their position. Mm. And, um, and, you know, it's just like, you know, how can, how can I add value to this person's life or their experience? And then something just naturally flows on from that. So, yes, getting out, connecting and meeting people, but you can even do it from your wherever your laptop is, you know, on LinkedIn. There's a, there's a really cool way to do it on LinkedIn uh, where you can direct, directly connect with people, but it is a connection. I was having a chat with somebody yesterday and it was a woman and she was saying, I find the sales part so hard. And I said, that's because you're thinking about it as sales. You're not thinking about it as building a relationship with someone and then, you know, and just seeing where that unfolds. And what some people call sales, I call playing what if. Yeah, so, I love okay. that statement that you were doing. Yeah. And you know what? When you're working with someone who you know you've got a solution for, like let's talk about room exchange. When you know that there's a there's a host who has a spare bedroom and here's someone in need or the example that you gave, needs a place to stay and you'll connect the two. They are so thankful and grateful to have found each other, but, of course, to you as well for developing a platform that enabled that relationship. That's not a sale, but a rather connect, finding out what each other's needs, ensuring it's a good fit. And I think once when I love the, the approach that you say, don't look at it as having a sale, find out what their needs are. And if you can offer a solution, they're going to be thankful because you're going to help them achieve something that on their own they weren't able to achieve. Great way of looking at sales, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're nearly at the end of the show. It's been absolutely brilliant. So just one more time, if people are listening today, what's the best way to connect? Maybe what are you looking for um, particularly and uh, how can they reach out to you? What's the best way? Well, right now we're, um, we're developing um, an enterprise model where we're wanting to connect with communities, groups and organisations where they have members who... Um, are moving a lot around the country. So accommodation might be an issue or if you're holding national events and you're looking for an accommodation solution for your interstate um, attendees. So I'd love to have conversations with people like that. Um, we're creating private portals on our platform for these um, specific organisations. I can talk to that more when they contact. But obviously on LinkedIn, um, the Room Exchange, so that's a letter X, the Room, oh, you can see it behind me here, the Room Exchange, yeah, theroomexchange.com. And if you want to listen to the podcast where I'll be interviewing 
uh, luminaries who are creating change in how we live, work and play. That's exchangerevolution.com and you can find that on the blog on our website as well and all major podcasts, directories, Spotify, iTunes, etc. But yeah. um, really love to, you know, have a conversation and play what if. If, there's, if you think that you might be an ideal partner uh, for the Room Exchange or if there's a way that the Room Exchange can solve a problem for your organisation or group, then please get in contact with us. Yeah, and just for those of you who have not caught on to the live streaming or the video and you're listening by audio, that is The Room X, the letter X, change.com. The Room X, the letter X, change.com. Thanks once again for coming on the show, Ludwina. It's always great to connect. You're always up to some great stuff and uh, for sharing your story. You're certainly making an impact in the lives of many people through this innovation, the sharing economy accommodation market in the Room Exchange. So thanks once again for coming on the show. Thanks, Emery, for having me.